I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's mentally yours. From Ellen and Yvette, focus on your mental health, you surely won't regret. It's mentally, 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 mentally yours, mentally yours, mentally yours. Hi everyone and welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's weekly mental health podcast. I'm Yvette. And I'm Ellen, and today we're talking to Kate Lucy. She is a digital journalist, the former editor of Cosmopolitan.co.uk and Sugarscape, and one of my old bosses. Um, she actually just wrote her first book. It's called Get a Grip, Love, and it's all about living with mental health problems such as depression as a millennial. We'll be chatting to her all about that and lockdown now. Just to give Yvette and also our listeners some context, um, Kate is my old boss and kind of gave me one of my first jobs in journalism. So for me, this is like a weird full circle moment of now having her on the podcast. Um, <laughs> Please help me, Ellen. <laughs> it's cool. No, it's lovely though. It's like weird because part of the strangeness of it is that you're coming on to talk about depression and at the time when we met I don't think you would have known that I was severely depressed and I definitely didn't know that you were severely depressed um so it's really strange to then years later be like oh oh you're okay, sad, we were both sad. Yeah. <laughs> exactly so can you tell us a little bit about depression and how it started for you what it feels like when did you realize that it's not just the normal sads I guess when I was just crying every single day, all the time, when I wasn't with people, like even it got to the point where even if I was going to the bathroom at work, I would just have a little cry. Um, and I was thinking like, why, why is this happening? It's not the job. Like I, I really liked my job. I really liked my colleagues. Um, I wasn't actually feeling 
you know, there wasn't a reason to pinpoint it on like a, nothing had happened to me. I know a lot of people's depression gets triggered by an event or something. Um, but, you know, everyone was alive and well and lovely. And then I was like, why am I crying so much? Um, why do I feel so weird? And um, yeah, a couple of physical symptoms as well that I ignored for a while and then tried to get those figured out um, by various medical tests. And the responses from the tests were like, you're grand, you're probably just depressed. What were the physical symptoms? Yeah. Um, well, I came back from traveling. Um, I went. I quit my job in the end to go traveling because I couldn't be. I couldn't handle the the pressure anymore. Snowflake millennial. And um, I came back and I felt really, really sick and really, really dizzy all the time. And um, I was like, oh, I've probably got some kind of tropical insect living inside me, like reading all those magazines. Um, and you know, I had like really weird digestive symptoms and like crazy poo and all kinds of stuff and went to the hospital and had um, a camera put down my throat to have a look at the digestive system um, because of all the tests and symptoms and stuff that we'd done previously. They were like, all right, we need to have a rummage around, but there was nothing there. Um, and the same with the dizziness. Like I kept feeling like I was going to fall over. Um, I kept, I, I actually did fall over a lot um and like even sitting on chairs and stuff just felt like it, the chairs were wobbling or I was about to fall off the chair and um I had a brain scan for that I had my ears tested and like all the kind of balance and equilibrium and they were like yeah you're, you're fine um it's probably mental and one of the nurses who was going through my results afterwards was like you seem quite sad to be honest like you're probably this is probably depression rather than anything physical which was quite shocking because the symptoms were strong enough to be going to a hospital and have people poking around in the insides were you shocked when they said that or did you kind of go okay like they have a point I have been feeling really rubbish um I was shocked that the symptoms could be so physical for something that mm. everybody defines as, as as only mental um and I you know I'm sure you guys know as well like it's it's not just a mental um condition at all but I was like, okay, yeah, I have been feeling crap and I think I've been quite trying to ignore it and like just toughen up and keep smiling and, you know, trying to be strong and a stone cold bitch, but it wasn't working. So yeah, then I ended up doing um, one of those tests on the NHS website that's like, do you have depression? And it was like, oh, yes, you do. <laughs> yes, I know the test. <laughs> it's always um, fun when it's like, oh no, like extremely... <laughs> Yeah, mm, please go get help right now. Exactly. Yeah. But I think what you're saying about not realizing the physical symptoms can even be a thing is so true and like mind blowing when you realize it. Because I used to have um, like migraines, fainting issues, oh, wow. um, stomach stuff, and just being told like, oh, that could actually be caused by depression is mad. Like, yeah. I can't believe that your brain is even capable of that. But yeah, it's annoying, it is. isn't it? <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, and a lot of what I wanted to kind of put in the book is about how like depression isn't just mental. And actually for me, like the crying and stuff, I thought, okay, like maybe I just needed to get over it. Um, but the physical stuff was really, really surprising, like how strong the physical effects were. Like I felt like I was going to throw up all the time. Like I did fall over all the time. Like you said, you fainted. Like that's that's insane, seeming <laughs> to me. Um, so that was really surprising. Yeah. 
So tell us more about the book that you mentioned in there. So you've got a book out just out at the beginning this year. Congratulations. It's called Get a Grip, Love. Why did you want to write it? Um, I think I got to the point where I was hearing so much like twaddle about mental health advice and so much uh, misunderstanding about it. And I actually remember, I won't say the job that I was in because I'm still friends with these people. But <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, somebody um, who I know, um, who I knew quite well and who a lot, who used to work um, with me and a lot of my friends, he took his own life in 2018. Um and I came to the office one day and I was, um, somebody said, oh, did you, did you hear about what happened? And I said, yeah. And we went and had a little chat and they said, I can't believe he did that. Like he was just about to start a really amazing job. And I was like, that's not what, that's not what it's about. <laughs> like It's not yeah. about jobs. Like you can have an amazing job and still feel awful. You can have everything, you know, materialistically and even with loved ones and friends and family, like everything can be going so perfect and, you can still feel awful like it, you don't have to have like you don't have to live on the streets to be depressed you don't have to work in a crap job to be depressed like you, it just really frustrated me that that was the first response um mm. and then I just kind of um in the day at work actually I pretended to do some work but I didn't I wrote a really long rant about it and I was like I've got a lot to say about this maybe I could turn it into a book and why did you choose the um title get a grip club it summed up like a lot of the conversation that I was hearing about people who were depressed or people who were feeling sad was like and especially what I was telling myself as well mm-hmm. um like when I was having a lot of crying episodes at work or on the tube home or um I'd be like there's nothing wrong just get a grip like just get over it like just get like cup onto yourself like it will be fine like you've got nothing to worry about um there are people far worse off than you um you know, all that stuff that people say to kind of, it's patronising and it's negative and it's just not accepting or understanding of what happens when you have a mental illness at all. And like those who suffer from mental illnesses, like we want to get a grip. <laughs> like it's not like we're not trying. Like we're, we're trying to get a grip on things, but everything's really slippery because we're really fucking sad. So it's, yeah, I think that just, that phrase just, it summed it up to me, the um, the things that people say when they don't understand what depression is like and whether that's in a malicious way or whether that's in a kind way and they're really trying to help but they just have no idea what's going on with you is that something you've ever been I've forgotten how to use words is that something that anyone's ever said to you before get a grip or like similar kind of complete misconceptions about mental health oh god yeah um the get a grip thing I think is is uh something I said to myself a lot and I still do Mm -hmm. sometimes uh the love I just put on there because uh, it's in my Welsh vernacular <laughs> um, and the publishers decided they wanted to keep it. So that was a win. So is the book sort of following your own journey with depression or is it sort of more of a guide for other people to sort of understand what depression is and also how to support other people who are living with depression? It's a bit of everything. Um, so it, I use kind of my experience of uh, here I am having all these weird physical symptoms and thinking that I was ill in another way actually it turned out I was depressed and here's what I've done to try and manage it and live with it and you know luckily I'm in a much better place now talking and sitting up and I got dressed and everything today which is uh, magnificent um but I was def- I've definitely been in a place where I didn't get out of bed for a long time and didn't get dressed for 
a long time and been washed for a long time and there's generally a vision of bleakness. Um, so I've used my kind of experience with it um, to help find out more about it, I guess, and using that arc of finding out I was depressed, being really, really depressed and trying to come out of it a bit to speak to other people who have depression because it's so different with everybody who has it. Um, to speak to experts and see like why is this happening um like why is my body doing this okay like this is from depression don't feel like your body's letting you down it's it, this is a side effect of depression um like you know you're saying with your fainting episodes like you must have felt really odd to find out that that was a symptom of depression um, oh we're still not sure <laughs> <laughs> i mean it could be but it could be like and it, and it seems likely like definitely linked to anxiety kind of things um but also similarly with like ibs like that's a weird thing that i didn't realize was also linked to depression yeah there's a lot of impact in like your gut and digestive system and i'm sure there's a joke about gut feelings in there that i couldn't reach but it it, there's a lot when you're um there's a nerve the vagus nerve i think it is that goes from your brain all the way through your body down through your digestive system and that connects like your um i'm gonna get the science wrong now but it connects the thing it connects stuff to do with serotonin yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I think the fact that there is a brain gut connection like that is just amazing really mm. and yeah a lot of people don't realize that's even there or you know that that can sort of be an issue um mm. i didn't even realize myself about the ibs thing to be honest it's I guess like you know when you sometimes if you feel really nervous or anxious about something and and you don't want to eat Mm. I guess that would be like the tip of the iceberg it is amazing though like how you can be completely oblivious to that because I think what you were saying about how many tests you got and how many like other avenues you were like maybe it's this maybe it's this weird parasite thing Mm. I feel like that will be common to a lot of people I think everyone assumes it must be all these other things instead of going like actually yeah maybe something is mentally bad yeah can i just go to the doctor and they'll go oh take this for seven days and you'll be better yeah because that would be much easier yeah rather than addressing an underlying cause and yeah everything that comes with it um and also health anxiety which is strange Mm -hmm. to have when you also quite want to die like it's strange to be very worried about what's wrong with your body when actually you wouldn't mind not waking up the next day um so that was an interesting experience <laughs> how have you been doing during the pandemic um do you mind me asking then don't ask away um i have just come back to wales where my family live um i came back for christmas but before that i was living in paris um i moved there for about a year and a half wow. um which sounds amazing yeah. um <laughs> but the lockdown was very very strict um, you needed a certificate to leave the house and all that. Um, you can only go out for once a day, etc. The police were everywhere telling you to move on and go home. Oh, wow. um, and I lived on my own. So a lot, oh, and I got made redundant. So there was a big whack of time where there just wasn't, I didn't feel very motivated or mm. didn't feel like there was a reason to be alive or get out of bed or do anything. Mm. Um, and did you get when any you just couldn't go anywhere from the French health authorities when you were out there? Um, I did go to the doctors once um, because I had a cough, which may have been coronavirus, 
Um, and I ended up just like crying loads and they signed me off work with depression. Um, but it's quite different. The French health system is really different to um, our lovely NHS. Um, but yeah, I think the pandemic and lockdown has made it like, obviously it's awful, but it's actually given me quite a helpful way to describe depression to people like saying mm. so you know in lockdown when you feel awful and it's groundhog day and you're like what's the point in everything well that's what it's like being depressed when you're not in lockdown mm. like that's just how like depression feels for me all the time it's like oh another day oh what's the point a couple of people have said also it helps people to um understand kind of like ocd and anxiety and those kind of things as well so you're right mm. even though it's obviously awful and we don't want other people feeling rubbish it has been kind of eye-opening and helping people to understand what it's actually like yeah I think so I had um I, one of my close friends has um OCD and she won't, she won't mind me talking about it um and she went to therapy for it uh, in 2019 and she was mm-hmm. very um her OCD was about cleanliness and hygiene so she went to therapy and it really, really helped. I think she had six sessions with somebody and they worked through it really, really practically and went through all the kind of emotional triggers and what it meant to her and how they could change her behavior and her responses. And then six months later, the pandemic hits and everyone's being told to hand sanitize 10 seconds, every 10 seconds and wash your hands and sing happy birthday to yourself. And if she hadn't had that therapy, yeah, like it would have been catastrophic for her because because your brain is going oh I was right the whole time yeah (laughs) Yeah. I wasn't being mad yeah and then people who you know like you said haven't suffered with OCD are suddenly becoming so paranoid about this virus Mm -hmm. and rightly so and then yeah it's a it's a a good it's a long way of saying you made a good point (laughs) (laughs) thank you have you found it um helpful being back in Wales with family yes it's nice to um it's it's nice to be with people that I can be myself around. Yeah. And I could be myself around myself, obviously, but um, on my own, I was, I, w- I just wouldn't get out of bed. Yeah. Like, um, can I say I got stoned all the time and ate loads of pizza? I know. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I just used to get high a lot and eat loads of pizza. And, you know, if I'm at my sister's house, she's a respiratory doctor. So she does not approve of any smoking. Um, and if I'm at my parents' house, I'm not going to get high, even though I'm, well old now and I should be able to do what I want um so yeah living with other people does kind of force better behavior from me I think I wanted to ask as well with your parents have you been like I don't know if I'm making an incorrect assumption here I assume that you haven't been that open about kind of your mental health before and now you've written a book about it Mm. is it has that started you know conversation with people in your life how does that feel for you um my parents, they knew, um, mm. but like, I didn't want to go into loads of detail with them ever because I, I mean, I don't know, like Yvette and Ellen, like if, how you feel about talking about your mental health with people, but you don't want people to worry about you mm. or to like tiptoe around you or treat you any differently or be like, oh, I can't say that because they're really depressed or they've got OCD or like, oh, they're just going to do this because of their mental state. Um so I just kind of tiptoed around it before and said like, yeah, I've been feeling really crap and I'm like going, trying some different medications to see if anything makes me feel better. Um, but yeah, they both read the book um, and yeah, it did start some conversations about things, but I've mostly been getting messages from people who I 
worked with or who are, I'm friends with and who are outside my immediate family. Like I'm really close to my parents. Um, so it's mostly from other people who I don't live with or who I've never lived with who God, who've said like, oh, so you wrote a book about depression. I would have never thought that you would have ever been depressed. It's like, haha, we're all very good at hiding it. Mm. <laughs> yeah, the classic line. I'm sure, Ellen, you've had that as well over the years, the, the sort of thing from old friends. Oh, no, oh. I'm very obviously depressed. <laughs> well, I never thought you I'm were. Joking. <laughs> I am not, joking. No. You're not like, um, like Eeyore. <laughs> no, people, people do say that a lot, especially with kind of anxiety as well. They're like, oh, but you seem so like in control and like relaxed. I'm like, okay, then that worked very well. Yes, <laughs> my plan has come together perfectly, <laughs> but my brain is on fire. Yeah. But yeah, is it strange now to have a book out there where everyone can now see like the truth and the fact that you have been struggling with depression? How does that feel for you? Um, I kind of, I, I, yeah, I like flip between between two things. Like, oh my god, I've basically written a diary and published it, and now people are going to read it. And then I go, oh, I don't care. Nothing matters. <laughs> um but yeah i've had a couple of messages from people who received their copies early i think waterstones just sent out loads of copies early and um Mm -hmm. there are some people who i don't who i don't know who have messaged me um i say that because i only expect like my 10 instagram followers to buy it and nobody else um who said that they read it and it really helped them feel like they weren't alone and they were less um just yeah less less alone going through what they were going through which um made me feel a, a, a warm feeling which is new um, so yeah sometimes I get really oh my god please don't read it actually even though I keep wanging on about it actually just buy it and then burn it um, <laughs> and sometimes, sometimes I think Meh. it just nothing matters anymore anyway so yeah. I'm glad your publishers will listen to this afterwards and be like, did she just recommend it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but the key thing is she has said buy it first. And I think exactly. just, yes, yes. yes. Thank you. <laughs> That's the key. I would, so to be, to be real, I would recommend reading it to everyone because it does actually sound helpful, even though it might feel like strange and embarrassing for Kate, it would probably do all of us a lot of good. Yeah. And I think it's an important book. Yeah. So you, read it i'll be the promo person <laughs> thanks before you burn it can thanks. you tell us a few things maybe that um that you learned when you were when you're writing it that were maybe a surprise to you about depression or that you just didn't know about it before i think a lot of it um was i, I spoke to so many people who suffer with depression mm-hmm. um to try and get as many different voices and opinions in as possible because like a who am i and b it's so different with everybody who has it Mm. um and some of the physical symptoms really surprised me like just to go back to that conversation again like I remember one girl telling me that she because of her medication has um crazy sweaty hands and she has to have a little fan on her desk in the office when she can go into the office to like dry her hands because her hands get so sweaty because of medication um so things like that the physical symptoms were always really surprising to me um Mm. but one of the I think the best tips that came across from everybody was like use the times where you feel less crap to get ready for when you will inevitably feel crap again because when you feel like quite overwhelmed with doom you don't really want to talk like if you've got a housemate or a a partner or a cat like you don't want to talk to them about what's useful for you when you're feeling down because you are down and you're in it and you can't see out of it but when you're feeling 
a little lighter, even if you're faking it because you're at work and you have to put on a fake light face, but you are able to have a conversation with somebody or with yourself about like, okay, this is going to happen again. What do I need to do to, to look after myself when this happens? Um, that's such good was, advice. That's good. Mm, that's such um, good advice. Yeah, so take it on board. I should really do um, that. I never do things like that, but that's, that's a brilliant bit of advice there. Well, it was also different when we had social calendars. <laughs> so like I would um, always, you know, if I was going to be with a lot of people one day, then I'd know that like just from experience, I'd be really just emotionally knackered, really cranky and really down the next day because I would have spent so much energy doing the jazz hands and the smiling and the razzle dazzle. Mm-hmm. So I would not put anything in my calendar for that day, which is obviously now different because we don't see anybody ever. Um, but it could apply to like, zooms or meetings at work or you know if you have to be on if you know you're going to have to be on 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 for a certain period of time then you'll probably want to decompress afterwards so don't put anything like don't have a phone call with a difficult family member Mm. or something that's like gonna just make it worse for you like move it to a different time when you know you're going to be feeling better i guess it's like a period tracker for your brain yeah that's a good yeah that's a perfect comparison and i think absolutely Mm. even though it is still lockdown at the moment i think you can get quite overwhelmed with the zoom stuff and also if you're offering support to other people Mm. yeah and you have like slack messages that just don't stop pinging in and Mm. like yeah there are lots of different ways to be overwhelmed you're right i think i wanted to ask you on a kind of personal note as well because you have worked and still work so much on the internet how do you kind of switch off do you have kind of rules about okay I switch off notifications so that I can actually decompress and do that kind of thing how do you go about that I I, so I've gone through I did switch off all notifications but then that made me check Mm. things more because I was like well I'm not getting notified so (laughs) I might miss something Um, so now I have the notifications that come on with a little preview of things so I can mm-hmm. see what things are coming in and go, okay, uh, I don't need to respond to that or like just so that I know what's happening. Um, and Ellen, um, for Ellen fans actually features in the book. Um, oh. when I had a chat with you, I think it was a while ago when we were talking about, we were talking about this exact thing, like working online and mm. mental health and how you can like detach yourself from your uh, traffic or your stats or like your personal work mm-hmm. um and the numbers that c- get put beside it because you, you know the joy of working on the internet is everything that you write gets basically a mark by an internet teacher and you can see it straight away and it's horrible if it's not doing well because you've put loads of your like especially as a lifestyle like editor you put mm-hmm. loads of your personality <laughs> into it and it's your real thoughts and feelings it's not like you've written a spreadsheet with loads of equations that could have been done by anyone who can do a spreadsheet like nobody else could have written what you've written so if it doesn't do as well as you'd hoped that makes you feel awful but then I just try to I mean a lot of it was I, I genuinely stopped caring and I think you kind of have to yeah. like it's the only way you can survive yeah it's like you have to just remove like try and remove, remove emotion and think logically so it's like okay this didn't do well is that like that's not because everybody hates me and thinks I'm a failure. I hope it would be more because <laughs> this topic doesn't really resonate with our audience or, um, also sometimes yeah. it's just like, you really can't explain it. Yeah. <laughs> like, sometimes it's just, yeah, you just can't. yeah. Like with the internet in general, there have been so many things where, and I'm sure Yvette, you will have experienced this too. 
the brilliant thing that you spend ages working on and that you know is the best quality will do nothing. Yeah. <laughs> no one will care. Yeah. And then it will be this stupid, like quick thing that you did that will get suddenly loads of hits. So mm. you know you can't you can't base your self-worth and like your knowledge of whether you're talented or good enough yeah. based on that. Because it's yeah. just, it's finicky. It's mm. just not going to be a good way to live. My contribution yeah. to that bit of the conversation is, yeah, I've written some things that I'm very proud of about mental health stuff and all, all kinds mm. of stuff and arts criticism. Nobody really cares about that. I still get messages <laughs> from when I, I ranked biscuits. <laughs> I ranked biscuits yeah. and I ranked sweets and I still get strangers talking to me about this article which I wrote in 2015 I think it was <laughs> saying how dare you put licorice all sorts at number 20 oh I think it is yeah they <laughs> get really obsessed about it but yeah anyway it's like you just have to I'm not in control of it once you put it yeah. out to yeah. the internet the like the internet gods decide you know if it's mm. bad or you know yeah Exactly. You have to have your own barometer of like how you judge yourself. It cannot be just based on what the internet thinks. Yes, absolutely. I mean, especially now. It's all yes. Yeah. You know. um, and then, yeah, in terms of like just being on all the time, I used to work um, in a lot of more fast paced kind of news environments where if anything happened to any celebrity, like when I worked at Cosmopolitan, there were obviously certain celebrities that we were very into. Um, and if anything happened to them or when I was at Sugar and if One Direction like put their head out a window, then that would be huge news. Um, so everything. Were you, were you at Sugar when they broke up? No. Or was that after? Because that would have been mad. <laughs> I was thinking about how intense <laughs> that day would have been. Uh, no, I think uh, either Lizzie Cox or Carl Smith was editing it then. Yeah. Um, oh, God. What a day. Yeah. I mean, I think I think it was there when Zayn left. I don't. I'm going to go on a One Direction tangent, um, but yeah, there was a lot. There I had jobs where news is very, very important, and there is a fun side of it about like always being on and getting a story up um, really fast and seeing the traffic live, and you know, being like the first to break things, or if you interview somebody and you have an exclusive line, or you know, every like there's a lot of adrenaline that can come out of that job, but there's also a lot of like, oh, for fuck's sake, really. Uh, so I just actively am not choosing like news and fast paced stuff like that. I'm more interested in like deeper content and um, not that news isn't deep, but you know what I mean? Like long, longer, less um, timely. I say out for dinner, but we haven't been out for dinner for a long time. <laughs> when you're at home having chips uh, <laughs> and then some somebody does something that's relevant, then you need to put a new story up. Mm-hmm. Like, it does put a lot of extra pressure on yourself and then, Again, if it's like, oh, well, we didn't get enough traffic, it's because I didn't respond to that quick enough and it's all my fault. That's the thing. Like, I think there's so much advice which is like, oh, just switch off, just like turn off. And it's like, I cannot. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's it's my job. I yeah, have I will to get have the sack. To, yeah. Yeah. Or like, I have to have WhatsApp on or I have to have all these different means of communication. Um, and even now, like with everyone working from home, I feel like it's become so much more blurred because you are always contactable. It's mm. not really fine working hours. It's just, yeah, it's difficult. I don't have any like words of wisdom on that. <laughs> it's just, it's tough. Well, I like, I like your, on Ellen's, I like your email signature that says like, please note, these are my working hours. Because that's yes. very like, I will not be replying to you outside of this. Like, this is Unfortunately, when I'm Unfortunately, yeah. I don't stick to that rule, but if I did, yes. <laughs> well, then it's all irrelevant. There goes that conversation. Yeah. It's more kind of for a practical thing of like people kept messaging me 
on a Monday and I don't work Mondays. And also, mm-hmm. you know what I have actually, <laughs> I keep hoping people will see that signature. So they'll stop being like, oh, I hope you're having like a lovely time off or like a lovely weekend. It's like, no, I'm working on a Saturday. <laughs> I'm not relaxing in the park. Sorry. Um, but yeah, it would, if I stuck to my own rigid rules, that would be a good thing, but sadly not. It's tricky though, isn't it? Because I mean, the obvious thing seems to be say something like, oh, just turn off your phone. But of course, especially working mm-hmm. from home now, we have all our mm-hmm. socializing through phones. You know, if I, you know, you want to check up on a relative or a friend or someone wants to check up on you or just have a nice chat, then yeah, you don't really want to just mm-hmm. turn your phone off at 5 p.m. or well, when, whatever time you finish. Um, mm-hmm. Although, having said that, I think it can be quite healthy to sort of to turn everything off at a certain time. I think that is a general theme on this podcast. <laughs> If it and I get so much like good advice and we're like, oh, that's really important. And then I don't know if this is the same for that, but I just don't do it. Like throughout the lockdown, we were like kept being told the most important thing is to maintain a routine. That is so important. And I just have not created a lockdown routine at all. Unless like becoming one shape with the sofa every day. That is that a routine? That counts. I kind of created one, but only because I now have a dog. And so the dog created a routine for me, which I like could not get out of even if I wanted to. So I was just like, well I have to get up now because I need to walk the dog because otherwise it'll you know like now I have to (laughs) (laughs) And it's something else depending on you. It's not like you're you're letting the dog down, not like you're letting yourself down and you don't care about yourself, you care about the dog. Yeah, exactly. So I guess sense she's been brilliant in terms of I just I, I have to get out of the house before her I'd go weeks without just not going out of the house when I mm. should be exercising no you know like all the experts would say do the routine do some exercise and I was just like oh that's great advice not do it but yeah you have to do it now because she needs exercise so, yeah oh, dogs will save us all not at all advice for people during lockdown but. dogs will save us all yeah Hmm. please don't buy a dog unless you are ready to have a dog <laughs> yes <laughs> it's not it's not just for lockdown they are helpful so this is goodbye from mentally yours so go away enjoy your day get on with all your chores from mentally 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 yours mentally yours mentally yours, mentally yours. If you've been affected by any of the issues we've been chatting about today, please give the Samaritans a ring on 116123 or you can email them at joe@samaritans.org. You can also go to their website, which is samaritans.org. If you've liked this, please give us a rate and review. We're also on social media on Twitter at MentallyYRS and we're also on Facebook. The group is private, but it's just called Mentally Yours. See you next time. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.